0: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.
1: Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. Nice. That is a perfect, perfect way to start the I podcast. had beans
2: for lunch.
1: I bet you did. At <laughs> least you didn't have what is that smelly stuff that you usually cook?
2: What do you mean usually cook?
1: Anchovies. The weird Polish food.
2: Anch- I don't cook anchovies. You I don't like, like smell into the office food. and like shove anchovies in the microwave and like put it on like high. Okay. I'm not a monster, Holly.
1: <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask. Seriously, though, what, is, what was the last thing that you cooked in my kitchen that made it smell so bad?
2: I don't remember. To be fair, I do eat a lot of smelly shit, which <laughs> is why I smell so bad all the time. I don't <laughs> know.
1: She doesn't. Anyways, everyone, this is Holly Randall. That is Eva Gala, and welcome to our very first episode of our bonus monthly recap. And it's just a little summarization of all of the cool interviews I did in the past month. For those of you who maybe don't have time to listen to every single episode, they are, you know, an hour or so long. We try to pick up the best highlights, play them for you, and kind of talk about it and talk about what we learned and um, what transpired. On Holly Randall and Filtered this past month, so for January we have actually quite a few episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to get to all of them. One of them, the last episode for January, just came out yesterday, and that was Brittany Amber. January was one of those weeks where we actually had five episodes, and um,
2: you keep saying like week. It's a month. <laughs> I didn't say week. Yeah, you did. did I? <laughs> I thinks months or weeks, weeks or months. <laughs> to be fair, life has been going by very quickly and we have no idea what's going on, what time it is, where we are, let alone who we are. So
1: This is true. I have lost all track of time. Yeah. Also, we're still recovering from the avian show. That's true. So And not that.
2: even like we like alcohol or anything, as we know Holly does not drink. It's just like our brains being pumped with casino air and like smoke air and constant social interaction.
1: Not to mention the fact that we were on the eleventh floor and there was the AVN penthouse, like, a couple doors down, and there was a party every single night. Drunk people in the hallway. I mean, there was no getting to bed before 4 a.m. It was insane. No, no,
2: People were, like, screaming outside your door. Just, like,
1: It was terrible. Mental. Yeah. It was but bad. what was great is that we took a lot of power naps, so that was really nice.
2: Mm-hmm. When you're old, you have to power nap.
1: You do have to power nap. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear all of our exploits from Las Vegas, we're actually going to talk about them on our podcast that is available only to our Patreon members, My LA Porn Life. So go ahead and scoot on over to patreon.com slash Unfiltered and join for $5 a month and listen yeah. to us babble about really cool – Everyday porn. Yeah, I'm things. I'm I'm
2: featured on that one, so it's gonna be funnier than usual. So yes, yeah. yes.
1: Eva is hilarious. You won't
2: just have to be tormented she by is listening to Holly.
1: The jelly to my peanut butter.
2: <laughs> I going say the jelly <laughs> to my penis. I was gonna be like, I don't get it, but I kinda like it.
1: <laughs> okay, let's start off with our first guest, the beautiful Daisy Taylor, I love who Daisy. Eva was so excited about.
2: I love her. I just adore her.
1: And I have to say that actually the reason that I even got Daisy on my radar was my handyman, who is a big podcast listener, asked me if I would interview her. And I was like... Uh, yeah I don't really know exactly who she is oh my god, and then I did. Eva was like oh my god she's so great so I looked her up and she is a trans performer she's actually the second trans performer ever to be signed to a big contract she's been signed by trans angels so that's a huge milestone and I've only had two trans performers on my podcast in the past and I feel like I need more diversity so I was like this is a really good opportunity and uh, she was lovely yeah
2: she's really We're best friends
1: now. It's fine. She's a beautiful, beautiful girl and well-spoken. She was so sweet. She was really grateful to come on the show, which I really loved. She actually came up to me at AVN afterwards. She got a little bit tearful and was like, thank you so much for having me on your show. You know, I listened back to it and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the things that are important to me. And I guess she got really great feedback. So it was really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I want to play um, a clip where Daisy actually talks about, you know, obviously the fight for trans rights is still a huge hot-button topic in today's political climate, and we have a long way to go, and so Daisy naturally comes up against all kinds of stigma, all kinds of roadblocks, and rather than getting angry, she talks about the importance of communicating with people and helping people see trans people as people in like a more human light. So let me, let me play this clip real quick. You know, I really commend you on being so open and talking about it and educating people, you know, like myself who, who don't really understand, who Mm. don't understand what it's mean. It's like to be trans, Right. you know, so many, and it's only something that we've started recently talking about
3: and being open about. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very new. And I think that because there is now hyper visibility, Mm -hmm. people think that, I mean, especially with the political climate, everything is very good guy or bad guy. And so anyone that is more on the liberal side mm-hmm. is a snowflake. And so I think a lot of like these these things that I'm saying make sense when you break them down like that. Mm-hmm. But we are so used to now being on who's good and who's bad that mm-hmm. we just bark at each other. Yeah. And a lot of people, what they need to understand is you have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You have to you have to instead of just expecting for someone to understand, you have to make them understand in their own way of understanding.
1: Right. Cuz people view you through the lens of their own experiences. Exactly.
3: And so I can't I can't bark at people and expect them to know that what I'm like what know how I feel one or to even understand the language because there is there is a very much evolved and much more intelligent language of I mean trans identities but even romantic relationships and, mm-hmm. and in porn and, mm-hmm. and all these different things. It's about, it's just about learning the language and learning how to compassionately mm-hmm. communicate that. Because mm-hmm. same thing goes, like, not everyone immediately is a bad person. Whether I agree with you politically or not, I'm going to talk to you respectfully mm-hmm. and try to get you to understand what I'm saying. If you're being an asshole and you just think that you're right because you just think that you're right and you just, you know, whatever and you're hateful, that's whatever. Fine. Fuck you. But. Yeah. But you, I think we have to calm down on people being misunderstanding of things that they don't know.
1: So there's a couple of things in there that Daisy touches about, which I think is really important. First of all, she discusses the polarization of politics in our country today and how people are you know, on the left or they're on the right and how there's a real lack of the desire to communicate in a way that you know takes in the other person's viewpoints and background and that we just as she says bark at each other which is completely true so there's just a lot of yelling a lot of screaming not necessarily a lot of intelligent discourse on this and on trans performer rights she also talks about um the evolved language of trans people which i know has been confusing to some people some people don't know what the right terminology is and so you know she talks about how She understands that that's also something necessary to educate people on and not maybe automatically get angry that someone doesn't know the right terminology to use, but, you know, to to educate people in an understanding manner. And then she also talks about sexual identity versus gender identity. And this is something that I guess I didn't really think about too much being a privileged cisgender woman is that sexual identity and gender identity are two entirely different things. So trans people are struggling with gender identity. You know, they feel that they were born into the wrong body, that they're the wrong gender. But that's totally separate from sexual identity. So a trans person, like a female to male trans person, might like women or might like men. And then the opposite is also true. There's no one sexual identity that goes with one gender identity. It can be either or. And so I yeah, thought that well, was I a think good point.
2: Well, I think that's just a huge misconception in Exactly, general, you know? And I also just believe nobody's just one thing. Like, I think there's a right. like, huge, you know, gray area in general. But I think that is a huge misconception. People just automatically assume something about you and what you like, you know? And it's it's just not like that, you know? You can like all sorts of people, you know? And all sorts of gender identities. And there isn't just a few gender identities. There are, like, a bunch of gender identities. <laughs> like, right. the like it, the list goes on and on and on and on. So, yeah. It's completely different. Yeah.
1: And it's it's nice to have someone like Daisy come on and discuss these things in a very open manner, yeah. you know, in a non-judgmental manner.
2: Yeah, she's Be- really lovely. Yeah, and I also think like one thing she was talking about is um earlier on in that in that clip is like about how she's a lot gentler, you know, and more mm-hmm. understanding and compassionate, and clearly not a combative person, right? You know, so she, I think she's talking about like. There's no there's no point in in screaming at people or you know arguing with certain people because yeah you know everyone's you know only at a certain level of evolution you know right. emotionally mentally you know and um and sometimes there's kind of no point like you in, in trying to make somebody understand your your way of of living and stuff because they're not going to quite get it so instead of like trying to talk to them on that level she's talking about like you know, trying to steer the conversation away a way that would make more sense to them, you know, right. so not completely giving up on it, but like taking a different route,
1: meeting know? them where they're at. Like yeah, she said. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that also made me consider the privilege that, well, first of all, I think that you and I have of living in a very cosmopolitan city with all different kinds of people. That's, you know, very, yeah, fairly open about a big, a big about, city, yeah, a big, yeah, relatively like
2: liberal and, place, to, yeah. to live for the most part. Right, like Los Angeles, huge, New York City, huge, right, you know, San Francisco. Like a lot of people don't don't have that, right? I much. mean, imagine
1: growing up in a really really small town in a very red state where everyone around you believes that mm-hmm. trans people are just confused and that they're sick and twisted and they yeah. need mental help, and mm-hmm. then coming across someone like Daisy, who's trying to explain to you, you know, her position and mm-hmm. why she feels the way she does. You have a lot of like barriers to get over. A lot of barriers. Before you can get back. to that. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I think, yeah, I think it's also like, you know, I mean, you're going to have to do what you can in that, in that situation. But right. yeah, I guess fighting doesn't help. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just Holly's dog. Hacking, Hacking up like out the lung over a there.
1: She probably swallowed another tennis ball.
2: Did you swallow tennis ball? Oh, let's hope not. Oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I just I really appreciated that. Also, I ha- if you guys want to learn more about um, trans identities and the fight for trans rights, I would suggest you also go back and listen to my episode with Buck Angel, which oh, Buck was awesome. a while ago. But he's a female to male transgender porn star and he's very, very passionate about, um, you know, trans rights and he's just, um, he's just lovely and he's also very, he's also like a very understanding person and he, and he talks about his frustration sometimes with some people in the trans community who automatically assume that cisgender people should be educated and should understand them and should accept them. And he talks about the importance of education. He even says, there's a moment, there's a clip, and you can go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Holly Rondo Unfiltered. I pulled that clip and posted it. And he talks about how, transphobic people he's like it's not their fault they just don't know any better and this is why he believes education is so important so I just think that
2: right education versus just like screaming anger. at people yeah
1: but I think that takes that's a really big it takes a really big person to be in a marginalized community like that and to and to you know be discriminated against mm-hmm. in such a way and to like have an open forgiving heart well, oh yeah it.
2: I think that's one of the that's one of the main things that like Everybody, obviously, like, everybody has a different perspective on it, especially if you're the person that's dealing with the hatred and <clears throat> and the pushback, you know, because there's one perspective where it's like, yeah, be gentle and compassionate and, uh, you know, um, don't take it personally because these people don't know any better and, you know, and educate them. And then there's another stance, which is like, why is it, why is it again my burden to have to educate them? You know, Mm -hmm. why is it my burden to have to like, you know, take that energy and like, why is it my responsibility? You know, like uh, it's, it's kind of like there's a little bit of like an angrier side, which is like, it's your responsibility to educate yourself. Like we'll be like here to, to help you, but like you have to want it kind of a thing, you know, and you have to seek it out. Like it's not, our place, right to, you know it's like why do we have to like take up that energy, you know,
1: yeah, and that's or, understandable so, too like, you see
2: those two that, that's what I see the most there's like those two are like the main kind of like ways of you know i don't know combating the situation, yeah,
1: and which is understandable because in the face of such vitriol that mm-hmm. these people encounter, I mean. You know, not not just the social stigma and the verbal abuse that they receive, but also the physical abuse. I mean, you know, the the murders. I mean, trans people get murdered all the time. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, fucking horrible thing. So hideous. Yeah. So It's you know. awful. That's
2: what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like I So there's a huge part of the community that's like enough is enough. Like why? why? Like I'm allowed to be mad. Like we we have the space now to be angry, and we're going to be angry. Like we don't have to just cower down and be like, oh, how do I how do I make you feel comfortable so you understand? You know. So there's also that. You know. So I. And also, why is it
1: your business? Like what I consider my gender identity, you know, to be. so like I, I, like that's my, business. I can,
2: I can see both, totally. both of those sides because totally. I'm, I'm not a combative person and I like, I, I'm more like, how do I educate this person? How do I bring them to my level? Right. How can I make them understand? How can we understand each other? And like, how could this be filled with love? You know? But I also completely a hundred percent understand, you know, being fucking mad, you know, yeah. and being angry and, you know, like finally having the space to be mad and not always just have to like, how to make everybody else feel better when like right. you're the person that's being freaking persecuted all the time you know like right. that's that's totally a, so like yeah it's it's an it's we can go on for we can forever <laughs> but we
1: have other episodes to get yes. to but anyways to wrap up daisy taylor you're lovely thank you for coming on thank you for being such a kind loving gentle soul and uh, also too coming up in the month of february i have a bunch of mini interviews from avn and i got the opportunity to interview two other trans performers which was lovely natalie mars She's and beautiful. aubrey kate who are both yeah. like huge stars yeah. Yeah. and so i'm very much looking forward to that and also, you guys you know, should be too also you know like
2: tuned. a little tiny thing i just i do i do feel that um you know it is like the ball has been set in motion i feel mm-hmm. like uh, it, it is becoming more mainstream to, um, you know, even like, I, like so many people that I know are talking about trans uh, performers and like so excited about them and wanting mm-hmm. me to like, you you know, like, oh, can you get a picture with like Daisy mm-hmm. Taylor? Can you, you know, like, and it, I think it's great because yeah. I feel like a few years ago you didn't hear that so much. You no. Know? So just becoming more mainstream is, is just like exactly the kind of stuff. Like right, I've been waiting to see. You know,
1: which is honestly why. Um, what kind of made me realize that you know it is moving into that mainstream fear is that my sphere is sphere. that my handyman came up to me mm-hmm. and you know just straight up, and I don't know anything about his sexual preferences or mm-hmm. or whatever, and was like, I'm a huge fan of this mm-hmm. transgender porn star. Can you interview her? Yeah, you know, and Whereas it wasn't like a it was hush hush. By the people way, used to feel that way, yeah, and the, exactly and the fact
2: that people aren't behaving that way as much and are just more open about talking about what they love because they should be because there's is nothing wrong with anything that we're talking about right. you know like it's just fantastic like yeah. i just I love it. Yeah, especially me too. being a pansexual, woman <laughs> myself—it's like exactly the kind of sh- stuff I want to be seen. Yeah, it's lovely. So I'm happy. Also, Daisy Taylor, thanks for being my best friend.
1: <laughs>
2: I'll call you. It's fine.
1: Eva also got some really great photos of her.
2: I did at the um, Avian
1: show. Where I can I you
2: go see those, Eva? I'm working on them as we speak. I know,
1: but like, do you the have civil- them up on your social media?
2: Oh, um, actually, yeah, I put I put a few up on. Um, my photography page on Instagram, which is um, at Evagala Photography, I think. Yes. Or it could be Evagala Photo. Oh no, I don't it's know.
1: photography. It's photography. Why do I know that and you don't? I
2: don't. Are you sure it's photography? Now? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, it's at Evagala Photography, and then at at Not a Porn Star One, the number one on Twitter. I think I, I posted a really nice one of Daisy Taylor. I think I have it pinned right now on there. You should cool. go look at that one because she looks incredible. Yeah. I can't even look at it because I feel like my eyeballs are gonna fall out of my skull. She's so she looks so beautiful. In that so picture. beautiful.
1: Anyways, moving
2: on. Daisy Taylor, we could talk about you forever.
1: (laughs) Moving on to another beautiful human being, Michael Vegas. I was very excited to have him on. You just
2: followed me today on Instagram. Were you happy? Oh, yeah, I got very excited.
1: So I've been trying to get Michael Vegas on for a while, and he kept getting booked on the days that we had an episode scheduled. So I got a little frustrated. I won't lie. Even though I tell everybody, I'm like, look, if you get a paid booking, like you can totally cancel on me because I understand you can't turn down paid work. But yeah. like when it happened like two or three times, I was like, eh. mm-hmm. but then I, he did come on, and I'm so happy mm-hmm. because and he said
2: amazing things. So it's fine.
1: amazing things. This is one of my favorite episodes of late because I really love it when somebody comes on and challenges my own like internal biases that I kind of didn't even really realize were there. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed it because it was just another wonderful example of the gift that I have with this podcast where I get to sit down and talk to people of, you know, various sexual um, experiences and opinions and outlooks. And I get to, you know, have my own eyes opened. So Michael is, uh, he works on the straight side of the adult industry, though he did reveal to me that he was doing gay porn for a while Mm -hmm. while he was kind of trying to seek out exactly what his sexual preferences were. So Michael's whole thing is that he loves being pegged, right? He loves being fucked in the ass. It's like his favorite thing. Mm -hmm. So when he first discovered his love of anal play, he kind of naturally assumed like, oh, I must be gay. Let me have sex with a bunch of dudes because mm-hmm. this must be what I like because I like getting fucked in the ass. Right? That's everybody's kind of default assumption. So he actually did some gay porn, had sex with, you know, gay guys, and just found it wasn't really like floating his boat. He was like, I don't really, I'm not really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up doing a pegging scene,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then he was like, Okay, Eureka! This is what. Yeah, this
2: feels good. This is
1: what I love because he. <laughs> Likes women. Mm-hmm. He has relationships with women,
2: mm-hmm. but he
1: likes being fucked in the ass. So yeah. it's like the perfect combination, a woman yeah. with a strap on mm-hmm. fucking in the ass in mm-hmm. case you don't know what pegging is, mm-hmm. people out there. So, um, so that was a really wonderful thing for him to realize. And then, you know, he is <laughs> so great. So he started a blog on Tumblr back before they banned all the porn. You want to know what the name of his blog was? What? It's so good. What? The Gape Gatsby. Oh, my. (laughs) Which I just love so much. And so he started basically blogging about his exploits with pegging Mm -hmm. and blogging about his butthole his butthole yeah Mm -hmm. the love of his butthole Mm -hmm. how much he liked you know having his butthole stretched and if you've ever seen stretched
2: oh well gaping (gasps) dude have you seen how big has his butthole gotten oh
1: my god girl I'm going to show you some pictures they're going to blow up blow up your mind (laughs) I'm going
2: to show you some pictures they blow up your mind so he has these like girls
1: put on these insane Insanely huge strap-ons. Like I don't understand how these things how can bottle fit? Can so be okay. uh, You know, it's a muscle.
2: That's true. And
1: um, hold on. This is oh, is that a double is that a double anal? Holy shit. So I'm at on his website, com.
2: That's his website?
1: Yeah. Oh. Look at look at that thing. Look at this.
2: Look at <gasps> that one. Oh my god, every like porn star in the industry has pegged him.
1: It's so huge. So these strap ons are like and he likes getting fisted. I mean, it's he could take. Holly,
2: why didn't you tell me about this website? Because
1: I didn't. I mean, I knew about it, but I guess I don't. Look at that! Look at
2: that! Oh my goodness! I mean, that what is a the huge fuck? cock. Oh.
1: Literally the biggest dildos that you could possibly what? get.
2: Do you have a? You have a login for this website? I don't,
1: but I'm sure I could get one. <laughs>
2: hey, Michael, send us a login. Look at that! It's insane.
1: So anyways, so my point, sorry, we're getting very distracted by these huge, (laughs) huge dicks. These are
2: the hugest attachments I've ever seen in my life. They're really
1: big. I didn't actually know they made them that big. Wow. So he started blogging about Mm -hmm. his exploits, and what he found was the amount of response from other like straight men who were so grateful that there was somewhere... That they could go where they could see this kind of content mm-hmm. and have somebody talk about it because I guess he also talked about like cleaning out your butthole and all kinds of right, other things that useful need to be tips done. right mm-hmm. and so what he realized is that there's a huge audience of men who love being pegged, but are too ashamed to talk about it because we assume that
2: Ugh, can, we just, can when we just you get like murder all these stigmas and let's all just like have fun and like gape our buttholes and Girl, just that's go. what we're doing.
1: That's what we're doing with this podcast. Oh it, we're changing honestly, the world. All I want
2: to do like moving forward in my future is just, I only want to date. Like I only want to date people who are like queer and like want me to touch their butthole. That's it.
1: You can find those people. Come to me. They are looking for you Come too. To me. They are also looking for you Oh, this isn't you.
2: this isn't exclusive Patreon content, so other people will hear this. Everybody yes. SOM sending out a call here. Send me your buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> Send me your liberal radical gay feminist buttholes. Queer buttholes. <laughs> queer buttholes that literally does sound like my dream that sounds like
1: a great website name myqueerbutthole.com
2: myqueerbutthole.com don't you think it's cute it's catchy if it's not
1: bought we should buy it let's buy it so basically he realized that he kind of i think he felt like he had this duty to come forward and sorry I said duty sorry (laughs) sorry i know
2: it's so childish (laughs) i wish we had sound effects But you know, we do start doing that if we, you know, your mind starts saying things like that when you're, you I are hate thinking. sound effects. I hate those no. sound drops. Oh, They're I know so you stupid. do. That's why I just want to like secretly put them in before <laughs> it goes up. Like you wouldn't know. And I would just save it on you're your gonna computer. You're going to have to learn how to use my editing software Fine, first. I do it. So, so, so duty. It, became, <laughs> it
1: became his mission to basically put a face to yeah. the butthole and come out and <laughs> say, Hey everybody! I'm Michael Vegas. I'm a very popular porn star, and I like being pegged in the butt. And I'm going to produce all this content of being pegged, and I'm going to be open about it. And <sighs> therefore, I'm going to try to help dispel the stigma and the shame around Ugh, it. And this is he my said, favorite "It's been stuff
2: that you've ever said. I love it's, this. It's
1: so great. It's, it's he said it's been so rewarding. It's so, so fucking great. All of that is fantastic. And then." He talked about—and this is where, you know, when I talked about, like, my own internal biases being challenged. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll admit, I don't—I like being submissive, so I don't like the idea of anally penetrating my man. I don't like the idea of pegging a guy personally. Obviously, I have no problem with people doing it. But it's not something that I want to engage in personally. Because in my mind, it feels like I thought you were, like, emasculating the guy. You know, that right. automatically Every- he was the sissy, that kind of thing. It was just something that I just— had this automatic assumption, oh. but Michael challenges that Good. assumption, and uh, let's hear what he has to say about that.
0: The other thing that I, that is going on with this website, Pegum.com, uh, is that I'm trying to show women it's like you don't have to not be the bottom either,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and so you you uh, you can you can fuck a guy, you can fuck your boyfriend, husband. Sexual partner in the butt with a strap on. And he can still be telling you what to do.
1: Mm. Right? So he can still hold that power dynamic. He still
0: holds the power dynamic. And it's like, just because I like to get fucked in the butt doesn't mean that I don't want to tell you what to do at all other times and like be in control of you because I'm your daddy. Take that. Mm -hmm. But like, like if you're, if you're a woman that's a dom, you want to get fucked in the vagina. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You don't just stop being a dom all of a sudden.
2: Yeah,
1: that's true. You to get
0: fucked in the vagina. That's you have true. a hole that needs pleasing. I'm like, that's how you get it done. Yeah. So same thing. It's like, guys, you don't have to, you don't have to become submissive all of a sudden. You don't have to become a sissy. You don't have to be shamed about it. So when you can start seeing pegging in that light and you can talk about it more, and then you can find places like peggingtonight.com, go there right now and sign up. uh <laughs> then you can start building this community. Like I said, that I did around people that you can talk about it with. When you can talk about it comfortably, you will, you know, the people in your life that would have shamed you around it, you will find that you see less of because you're not putting them yourselves around these people that like, don't understand you and don't want to cultivate the things that you Mm cherish in your life. And so like, it's great. Like it's, it's scary because you're like, Oh man, I'm going to like, I'm going to lose all my friends. And these people will ostracize me from my community. It's like, you mean you, don't, you want to really be part of this community that is going to make you feel bad for who you want to be in your life? Yeah. What if you built another community, or joined, or found a community that existed where you, they love you that way? Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel the shame. You don't have to like hide, and you can like.
1: And you, you can know. provide that place for other people.
0: Provide the, provide the place for other people. At yeah.
1: You know, it's really interesting with you talking about how you can be. Pegged and not lose that that power dynamic because I'll, I'll admit from like my own you know naive standpoint I I would have assumed the same thing oh well if you are fucking a man with a strap on then automatically he's a submissive and you're the dominant mm-hmm. and I very much like to be the submissive in bed I don't like to really ever play the dominant with right? a man so I never would have considered that but. Now it's so clear to me that obviously that doesn't have to be the case. Cause you're absolutely right. With the female dom, she can demand that a man fuck her a certain way and she, it doesn't take away from her power. But right. for some reason, I never considered that with a man.
0: It's because there hasn't been porn there to teach us that yet.
1: Yeah. You're right.
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right. And this is why it's doing so well. Yeah. Is because it's a product that didn't exist yet. Mm. And like, like it'll, it'll come. People will catch up. Yeah. But the, the level of openness to the level of extremeness and then the power dynamic, I think, has created really something special. Yeah. It's been going so well.
2: Wasn't that lovely? Ugh. It was my favorite thing I've ever heard in my whole life. I just I just adore it. What
1: was Wait, that noise? its uh, It's my boyfriend with the Chewbacca mask. He thinks he's
2: funny. Why is that happening right now? Because
1: <laughs> he's bored and he wants attention. Ugh. So... <laughs> Favorite thing you've ever heard in your life. Favorite thing I've ever besides heard. Besides when I said you're hired. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You
2: made the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Everything you just said was my favorite thing in the whole world. I. I. I think, all men should be (laughs) pegged. I know, but some people, you know, it's not their thing, but just the stigma surrounding Mm -hmm. it. Just, like, really, it's time for that to be dismantled. Mm -hmm. Especially just on a scientific level. Like, you have a prostate. It fucking feels good. Like, it feels good for you. Like, it was this beautiful thing that was created inside your bum hole. Like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous. You know, everyone should be, you know, fucked that way. (laughs) Like it, you know, and just like the whole submissive thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, I completely agree. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it's just, it's just an area, it's just a hole that can be pleasured, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. Like yeah. there's no, I don't, all that other stuff comes from, you know, like m- mostly, yeah, like homophobia, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of the root of it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's like why anybody would think that, that is mm-hmm. kind of the root, you know, yeah. people being like, you know, like oh, you know, oh, oh, he, ta- gay, yeah. so, and he so talks. so I'm not about gonna do that. And and because he talks about that and because too. it's gay, uh, it's you know Bad. sissy or yeah. you know submissive or whatever. All this stupid bullshit, mm-hmm. which also goes into like you know being a sissy, being you know oh you're being fe- feminine, which is also lower. You know, so right. it's all this stuff. It's like homophobic. It's it's sexist. You know, it's like it's it's anti so many things. Anti femininity. Mm-hmm. It's it's anti so many things that it's like I hate I hate where it comes from. You know, yeah. like so. The more and more you dismantle those kinds of narratives, the more and more it dismantles like all those narratives, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just lets people like yeah be themselves and be pleasured in the ways that they want to be pleasured. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm battling now, but
1: no, I'm all it, about it. And and one other thing I took away from this interview was also you know a, a lot of times that we talk on my show about because I have a lot of women on and you know I'm, I'm constantly trying to fight against. The stigma against women in the adult industry because they tend to face much more of a burden in that sense than men do, you know, because women are always being viewed as the victims and weak and whatnot. And it made me realize that men also have these social stigmas that they come up against as well. You know, it just, it made me kind of see the other side, you know, sometimes, especially with the Me Too movement, you can get wrapped up so much in like, oh, yeah. oh, what women have to deal with and what women have to go through. And it's like, actually, like, there's a lot of these horrible boundaries that have been set up for men as well. It's just, and it's, men all have this, these,
2: it's all this cliche yeah. shit, right? That everybody gets kind of like lumped into. And it mm-hmm. this happens, especially in porn, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, guys always have to be like dominant and, you know, kind of like aggressive and, you know. Yeah. Whatever, and if they want to be any other way, it's yeah. you know, it's sissy or submissive or whatever. You know, it's like, well, no, it's just a different way of being, you know, in a way that a lot of people actually are, you know, right? Or even just having sensual sex,
1: yeah. And, and Michael's a great example too, because he is a really strong performer, you know, and he's somebody. That I've always looked at as like a masculine, in, you know, emulating like the – encapsulating the masculine, a very masculine kind of um, aura. So the fact that, you know, he's willing to be open about what he enjoys um, I think is, is really yeah.
2: great. And I think it's also just kind of introducing a little bit more androgyny mm-hmm. into –
1: Which I know is your favorite thing.
2: I love androgyny as
1: well. <laughs> but into,
2: into the mainstream, you know, yeah. kind of reminding people that's like – You know, we all have masculine and feminine elements, you know, a a, a different, a different balance of those, of those things Mm -hmm. within us, you know? Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about this. We shouldn't live in these cliches.
1: No. Well, I mean, the world's changing. Okay. Next guest was Emma Hicks. Okay. She is somebody I've worked with quite a few times. I've always really, really liked her. And she went through an ordeal last year where she had her boundaries like pretty severely violated on set. You know this story, right? I don't think so. The Leprechaun, Jimmy oh, Lifestyle.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah I, yeah, I, yeah, I remember this.
1: Essentially, she was on set and she was doing a scene with Emma Starletto and the director was playing a non-sex extra. He was not in the scene. He was not a performer. and right. he was supposed to pretend to lick her butthole from behind, because basically the scene was is that, again, it was St. Patrick's Day thing. The girls were the treasure at the end of the rainbow, and he was gifting them to the male performer, and he was the leprechaun. So he was, like, on his knees with shoes on his knees. I mean, this terrible accent, ridiculous outfit. And so he told both Emmas that he would, you know, pretend to lick their butthole from behind because from the angle of the camera you couldn't see. But he wouldn't actually do it, right? And so they were like, okay, we're fine with that. Well, he did do it. and
2: How do you even accidentally lick someone's
1: Oh, he didn't accidentally. Did
2: he, like, grab and, like, go in? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Emma was very upset and she called him out on it. And I think she even recorded it. He wasn't apologetic at all. He kind of laughed. He was like, it's not a big deal. Like, what are you so mad about? Blah, blah, blah. And she felt really frustrated because she felt that not only were her boundaries violated, like you can't just go around licking people's buttholes. Like that's not okay. And also he, she didn't feel heard. You know, he didn't respect the fact that she was upset. Like, he kind of laughed it off. And so that, I think that last part is what upset her the most. So then she went to Twitter, and she called him out on it. And, of course, an avalanche of girls came in saying they had experienced similar things with him on set. So it kind of blew up into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so Emma and I talked about that. This This is what she said.
5: And you know what? A lot of girls did come out and say stories that happened with him and also different directors. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Yeah. That's really good.
1: No, I agree. I think that your story, along with a lot of other girls who've come forward, has has really kind of created this movement. And I think this has all been fueled by the Me Too movement as well, where we as producers and directors have come to recognize like how important boundaries and consent are. I've, I feel like I've always been respectful of that. I mean, I hope so. I've never had anybody say anything to me or to anybody else, as far as I know about that. But we know it's important to consider how you guys feel. And it's important to recognize you as a professional, you know, actress or actor. And yes, you're having sex you know, on camera, but that doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries and yeah. that like you shouldn't be heard and that you shouldn't be able to establish those boundaries and that they shouldn't be respected.
2: That's true. And I
1: feel like that's something that people never really thought about that much before. Directors, especially, especially when the industry was more of a male dominated industry. There's a lot more women working behind the scenes now, which I think has helped, but I think that it's really brought to light something that that needed to come to light. Exactly. That's that's what I think too. Because um, even now, and and again, like I said, I've never had a problem on set before. But even now, I'm so much more conscious about checking with girls to make sure that they're okay with the scene that we're doing and having the performers speak to each other about their boundaries.
5: That's a big thing too, is after the, this whole Jimmy lifestyles thing happened, Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that a lot of companies are doing, um, is that what they're called? The consent forms or the, the boundary forms. You know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about? Yeah. Um, like a
1: checklist of what you're okay with and what you're not. Yeah. Yeah. your
5: no list. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's really good. So I feel like after that, A lot of companies are taking this seriously. Yeah, thing.
1: No, I think it was, and you know, it's always got to be some kind of horribly upsetting situation that is going to bring about changes like this. Changes never generally happen unless there's some big blowout, and there's some big social movement that involves a lot of people pointing out the fact that like this is not okay. Yeah, and we need to do something about this. Yeah. So as kind of shitty as your experience was i feel like it's definitely been a building block to a better a better work environment i
5: think so too yeah it was shitty at the time when i was like oh my god yeah, i'm never gonna get over course. this like i'm never gonna get hired again it was really scary actually yeah and then i actually started to get hired more because people were like we respect that you spoke out and, right you know and yeah i did notice a change on set before, yeah more professional and like the unprofessional people are starting to get n- noticed and kicked yeah. out Super fast. Yeah, absolutely. You
1: know? Yeah, and that's the power of social media. I mean, there's a lot of negative things about social media. Um, I think you know we can all think about what those are, but there are also positive things. You know, where people can come together and try to make things better for everybody. That's true. So I know I I preface that with this is what Emma had to say about this, though that's mostly me talking. Yeah, but,
2: sorry, what, sorry about surprise, that. Surprise, surprise. This is what I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I guess the reason why I was so passionate about responding to Emma's situation there was because I've been in this industry a long time, as a lot of people know, and I've seen some drastic changes. And this whole movement with the way social media has given performers power and given performers a voice and made the rest of us recognize, those of us behind the camera, how important it is to to really check in with them and and make sure that their boundaries are being respected and that we do talk about consent. And like I said in that clip, it was something that we'd never really thought about before. And I always thought that I ran an ethical set just because I care about the girls and I was never ever shooting anything super hardcore. And I feel that as a woman, I have a sense of if you're not comfortable with something, Mm -hmm. but after all of these events have happened, you know, including obviously Emma's, it made me realize that that's not enough. It's it's important to have open communication. It's important to actually talk to them and talk to everything, talk about everything beforehand, before yeah. we start the scene, so everyone's on the same page, right. and everything can exactly. be a much smoother, nicer experience for everyone.
2: Yeah, for sure. And Wow, that's loud. Um, yeah, and another thing, you know, just in general um, that I feel like has come up more now is um, with consent in general is like, you know, looking at, looking at, let's say, especially sex workers and people in the sex industry as people that like, you know, that don't have boundaries, you know, like Mm -hmm. people that like, Oh, you know, people just assume, you know, that they can just have access to these, to these people's bodies because it's, it's their job. It's like, no, they're choosing to do this within a certain structure, you yeah. know, and it's their choice. So just because somebody does something doesn't mean you're allowed to do whatever you want to them. And I right. think, I think there's a really weird disconnect yeah. with these people that, that, you know decide to randomly lick your butthole. Yeah. You know? Like you're like, what made you think you're allowed to do that just because this is a set? Because you're not a contracted worker, mm-hmm. you know, to to do that. You're not you haven't signed up for the sex. You know, you weren't hired to to do anything sexual mm-hmm. here. So it makes you think you can do that. You yeah, know? it's not a free for all. It's, it's bizarre. It's like and and nobody has access to anyone's body, you know, without consent. And I think yeah. that's the narrative that like is being pushed now. And I think it's really great that it's being pushed in within the adult industry because that's one of the places where it gets lost, where people right. just think, yeah, I can do whatever I want to these people. Like you right. just grab people, you know, Right? like, no, you can't grab anybody. It doesn't matter who they are, like without their consent, like, or, you know.
1: Right. And also within the porn construct that you mentioned, uh, you know, girls have yes and no lists too. Yeah. So. Girls won't even work with every single performer that there is. They of have course. people they won't work with. So, mm-hmm. even within that, they get to choose who in that construct they get to work with. So, you know, there's a lot of control that girls have over who they yeah. work with. And so, therefore, you don't get to just put yourself in that position and be like, I can grab and grope you and do whatever that's I want just to do. Like,
2: I feel like that's also just to. A- a stupid man thing usually. I mean, yeah. I know it can manifest into other people as well, but mm-hmm. I just feel like it's it seems to be heavily dominant with men, you know, thinking yeah. just the same as like, "Oh, you're wearing a short skirt, so you're asking for it." Mm-hmm. It's like, "No, I'm wearing a short skirt. Cause it looks fucking cute. Mm-hmm. Get your fucking hands off me." Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So. And it
1: goes it goes the other way, too. And this is not sort of off topic, but I know this is a weird like thing to reference, but you know, women also sometimes think that just because they're women and guys are guys and guys always want sex, that they can just grow up and grab men too, however they yeah, want. That's
2: what I'm saying. It's not, it's not just right. I, I just think it's heavily So specifically I'm that, thinking
1: yeah. of, I was <laughs> watching a clip. Somebody put it up, uh, where the Jonas brothers were singing and some like female fan kept gr- trying to grab Joe Jonas. I don't know. I don't know who they are. Oh, One cool. of the Jonas yeah. brothers, like cry- kept trying to like grab his dick, you know? Yeah. And he was just like, it's weird. What the fuck? And it was Nobody like, what makes
2: you grabbing anybody no. or touching anyone's anything unless that person has consented to it. That's right. like, yeah. it's very simple. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter Across what the board, it doesn't matter what their profession is. Yeah. Any, any of those things, it's a very simple rule. If someone has not allowed you to do something or said that I want you to do this, or there's not a consensual, some sort of consensual agreement, you know, yeah. that's very obvious you shouldn't be touching anybody, you know?
1: I agree. Okay, last last interview. Probably my favorite one. Um, just a really unique one. And I really, really love this woman. And I've got incredible feedback. So I had Amy Taylor, who is a high-end escort on my show. And this was incredible for so many reasons. First of all, I'd never had an escort on before. I've had girls who have worked at brothels and that kind of thing. But this is also another interesting thing that's changing in the adult industry is that there was always this like separation between being a porn star and being a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And so often back in the day, if you were escorting on the side, then you know, other porn stars look down on you, and they would be like, "Oh, I, or I won't work with her because she does escorting." Blah 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 blah. Like, like separating these two kinds of sex work and being like, "This one's okay, this one's not okay." Mm-hmm. And I've I've seen a big shift in that where people are saying, "Look, all sex work is okay as long as it's done safely and yeah. responsibly and that kind of thing." So there's a big yeah, shifting keys, yeah. yeah, change in perspective towards um, you know escorts. Um, just different kinds of sex work. Yeah, different it's kinds not of sex just work. One
2: isn't good, like you said. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, so Amy Taylor came on, and she, you know, was brave enough to put her face to her profession. A lot of escorts uh, won't reveal who they are for fear of repercussions, which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. And she is somebody who's been in her line of work for an incredibly long time. Sorry, when I say incredibly long time, it makes it sound like she's old. She's not, she's my age, which means she's very, very young. So, (laughs) but I think like somewhere between 10 and 20 years. And she is an incredibly bright, Incredibly well spoken, incredibly eloquent woman. She Multifaceted. isn't
2: she also like a pil- yeah, pilot. Yeah, she's like a, a scientist. Or yeah, something? she has, like amazing. I'm like in love with her. She
1: has um, a commercial pilot's license. Yeah, she's like a Mensa member. She's yeah. incredibly well educated. She comes from her father is a professor, I think. So mm-hmm. she comes from this kind of nuclear family, mom and dad. And she comes from a background that most people would think like an escort wouldn't come from, you know, because there's that assumption that everybody comes from a broken home. And you know, Some, they got into this ridiculous. line of work because they had no other options. Yeah, in but life. that's also
2: people that just looked at on, on sex work and think everything's right. just a result of 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 an unfortunate situation, right. you know? Um,
1: so that's what I really loved about her because she here's this woman who literally had every opportunity to be anything else that she wanted in life and she actively, with sound mind, chose to become an escort and she's been doing it for a long time and she very much enjoys her job and she has awesome. no intention of stopping. And so she was just really great at articulating the intricacies of her work, why she made these choices. And it was just a, a really, really enjoyable interview. So I'm going to play this clip here where she actually talks about how as an escort, somebody in her position where she spends a lot of her time with her clients is literally like hanging out, going skiing, going golfing, talking, going to dinner. There's a just lot. of companionship. Yeah. We? She's a professional companion Is is another name for what she does. And so a lot of it is just basically being an entertaining companion to somebody, which is, um, which I is like super interesting. For you. Yeah. Basically you are my companion. <laughs> but I companion. don't get the
2: sex. Damn it.
1: Yeah. I know. Sad
2: for you. <laughs> <So> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, sometimes I get to loofah your back in the shower. Yes. You'll never forget that moment. <laughs> Everyone's going to wonder what that's about. It's fine. They'll it's, find consensual. Out. it's consensual. It's consensual.
1: Well, I don't know. What was it? <laughs> I, I just know. yelled at you from the shower. Move <laughs> on my back. There was dried latex on my it's life. It's just, a long it's story. Fine. We're not going to get into it's, it right doesn't now. doesn't matter. So in this clip, Amy talks about how actually her personality is what really hooked her clients. And she knew that that was her strength. And, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of time with somebody, it's got to be somebody that you enjoy. Speaking with and um, Amy is definitely that kind of girl. So let's listen to uh, what she had to say about that.
4: I never wanted to meet people for just one hour because, uh, as you noticed, I'm chatty and I don't. I didn't think I could get comfortable that quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started out with a multi-hour minimum. Mm-hmm. I also knew. Because when I first got an escorting, I was trying to work for an agency and nobody would hire me. Mm. Uh, they hired, you know, Playboy Centerfolds and the kind of girls you shoot. Right. I was cute, but I wasn't that cute. Right. But an agency owner told me, you're smart, you're young, you don't need an agency, you can do this yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But I knew that in LA I was like a six, mm-hmm. so I knew I wasn't going to get them on looks. Right. Because I live in this town, but yeah. I could get them on personality. Right. So if I, if they could spend a few hours with me, they're going to like me. Right. And by golly, they did. Yeah. Cause I knew I was smart and I was friendly mm-hmm. and I like people fascinated mm-hmm. by everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So if I could get a longer time then I could bond with them and I could, you know, win, win. I could keep the customer happier and build myself some kind of a relationship because again, I was not going to get them on beauty, not mm-hmm. in not in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked. So that evenings turned into trips. Uh, one of my first clients was like, let's go helicopter skiing. You're a skier. And so we'd go to Canada for a week on end, and being able to ski helps. Yeah, PSA, girls, if you want to make a lot of money as a companion, get good at golf. <laughs> if you could be good at golf and be a hot woman who's oh not too God. old, oh, you can, millions. <laughs> yeah, because all these guys would love somebody who was stellar at golf. Yeah. Because women usually are not. Right. Certainly not when they're well, young. Well, it's a
2: man's sport. Yeah, and generally. the only women
4: that are good at it are 80. You go.
2: Oh, oh! You go. <laughs> it's me. Well, we're talking about like just her personality. Well, she's talking about how like she couldn't make it just on looks alone, and she mm-hmm. knew it was her personality that was going to get mm-hmm. get things going. But I think in general, regardless of what you look like, I think having a good personality and being intelligent, and being able to be a good companion, is right. going to skyrocket you in almost anything you're doing, right. especially a profession like that. Yeah, you know, so.
1: I also, um, she talked too about how she's had pretty much exclusively one client, I think for the past three years, she said. She's been seeing almost exclusively one person. That's almost like a relationship. So I kind of assume that, you know, they often, she often has like repeat business, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's probably, there's only a few guys who can afford her rates. Right. And, you know, she, I think, is somebody that, People, you know, one would get really attached to and want to spend a lot of time with, and she's someone that you can take, you know, to a business dinner and golfing. You know what I mean? Like she she can, she can kind of, she can be anywhere, right? And she can be in any kind of company, and she can, she can hold her own, which is really amazing. And I also, I also have to commend her on just the amount of like patience she must have. Cause imagine that your job is just to make somebody else happy and to right. be like kind of entertaining for them. I'm sure that she doesn't really get to be herself for the but most feel, part. But I
2: feel like she is. I she think, is, I think what she, she's talking about is like, because she even, it was a, a slight moment like in within that clip where she talks about how she's just so intrigued by people. Yes. And I, and I'm, I'm only like, this is just me like projecting, but like, I'm very intrigued by people. Um, I find lots of people interesting. I can always find something interesting about somebody, you know, and then kind of touch upon it. And also I'm pretty multifaceted. I like a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So many people are like blown away by by the random things that they didn't know about me. I even had a girl the other day, like the, the girl I'm moving above, a friend of mine who was like, are you, you're a gamer? I was like, yeah, I literally play like Borderlands like two times, like two hours a day in my mm-hmm. underwear. And I, I love it. Like, I'm like, I love first person shooter games. Like, you know, and like, you know, yes, I will like talk to teenage boys on Reddit about like ridiculous things, like where to find the best gun and like a certain level. Like, and most mm-hmm. people are like, what are you talking about? But like, you know, I, you know, like I, but I can, relate to people mm-hmm. on these different levels. Cause I like all these different things. And I feel like just even hearing a bit of that, she is that kind of person. Mm-hmm. So fine. Maybe she can't be every single part of herself, but mm-hmm. I feel like she brings a part of herself probably to every situation. And that's probably what makes her so good. Yeah. You know, because there is a, a genuine part yeah. of, of herself that she's yeah. like releasing, just like, you know how like certain people like, you can't be a hundred percent yourself with, but you can right. find a, you can find something that like you can be genuine about like I'm right. just totally bullshitting every time you're not with someone you, could, you yeah. could, like you can't be a hundred percent yourself with you know like you can't be a hundred percent yourself with me, right. you know but like but not for any bad reason, and I can't a hundred percent be myself with you right, but not for any bad reason, but like the parts of ourselves that we are with each other are genuine, mm-hmm. you know mostly it's us roasting each other, <laughs> but I like that, you know, but you know what I mean like yeah. I feel like everybody kind of has that.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because she actually talks about, and that's a different part of the interview, how one person can't really be one thing, everything to well, everyone. Yeah. And how we all, we she talks about being monogamish. Mm-hmm. So I'll just play that really quickly. I've seen so much
4: infidelity that uh, obviously now I just basically believe that monogamy is rubbish and we're not meant to. Mm. Uh, I might have a skewed perspective because- I'm only seeing the world that I see. Right. Does that, it doesn't make me hate men. It just makes me think that the sort of the world that is is a lot different from the world we aspire to, yeah. or at least mainstream aspires yeah. to.
1: Then maybe people will be happier if they restructured their idea of what like a, lo- a relationship was, that maybe mm-hmm. monogamy is not the end all and be all and perhaps one should consider being monogamish I think more people should have met people like your parents
4: yeah, to see that they could have a really healthy family and not be monogamous Yeah, because most of my women friends from college and elsewhere would not stay with a man if they caught him cheating right. I don't care who it's with yeah, and would not have married him if he had told them I'm going to marry you and I'm going to love you but I'm probably going to have something here and there once in mm-hmm. a while Or who knows? Right. They want the story of monogamy, at Mm -hmm. least the promise of it, even if that is not kept. Right. And so if that's the fantasy that has to be sold to to get the wedding and the kids and we need people, Mm -hmm. then we're, you know, we're selling a fantasy to to women and men are having to lie and it's sort of a weird world we're building. Yeah. I don't know if it's a necessary lie. Clearly, it's unnecessary because look at your family. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure why that's the minority when behavior-wise that might actually be more normal.
1: Yeah. Maybe. And if you think about how many marriages dissolve because of cheating, and it just it's just something that comes up constantly over and over again. So can we fix cheating or can we fix what our idea of maybe a relationship is? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe we consider looking at things from a different angle. I don't know she talks about how we all have our favorite person, right? And that's the person that maybe you're monogamish with, but one person can't be everything to you. And so, you know, her being an escort, a lot of these guys are married, but a lot of times the wife, you know, isn't having sex with them or Or whatever, doesn't want to. Yeah. There's just, you know, and so she comes in and she just provides a certain need that they're lacking, but she says that, most of these guys really do love their wives. And um, like one of them, she said that she even went on a trip with them somewhere and France or something like that. And he was like, man, you know, kind of like, no offense to you, but like, I really wish my wife was here with me, you know, but she won't come with me. She won't leave the home and the kids and all that kind of stuff. So, right. so I thought that was a really interesting perspective on monogamy because I know that you are kind of interested in I'm polyamory. Interested, I'm interested
2: in it. I've never, I mean, I, I can't even find one person who wants to date me, (laughs) but I mean, I'm I'm open. I, I, I think conceptually I really like it. I've never personally engaged in it, so I can't really talk from like speak from Mm -hmm. experience, but yeah, conceptually I really, I really like it because I I think it allows people to, to be able to have different connections that they wouldn't normally allow Mm -hmm. themselves to have because they feel like they need to, like, live within a certain construct that, mm-hmm. that we have been learned. I mean, we have been taught, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a learned thing. Um, you know, if we all grew up in, like, you know, villages and, like, you know, where, where mon- like, you know, polyamory was a thing and we all, like, not, like, in a incestual way. <laughs> that sounds weird. <pretty> yeah. cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or, you know, if we all grew up in that way, then then we would think that was okay, you know? And so, and then we would just... Be like free love and whatever. Yeah, I and mean, um, even at AVN, you know, just being around—I don't know if I could name names, but you know, being around certain performers who yeah. who are polyamorous. Yeah, Carly
1: Lane. She talks about it. she's she was on my podcast. She talks about it.
2: Yeah, you know, episode how, like, thirty-six.
1: By the way, people want <laughs> yeah, to want to go back. Yeah, she's great it.
2: and she's so happy. And you know, there's all these different relationships going on. And
1: but that girl has a lot of love to give.
2: She does have a lot of love. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like it's, it's to a give. lot. Like I, I mean, I can barely deal with myself, let alone a person. <laughs> um, but you know yeah, whatever, I'm babbling. But conceptually, it's like, I think it's a really beautiful thing because you you get to have different things Mm -hmm. that certain people can't provide you. And instead Mm -hmm. of being jealous about them, you understand, you're like, that's just not something that I am or that I want, that I can provide you or that you can provide me, you know? And it's okay if we seek it out somewhere else. Right. You know, except the only thing that that sucks about these situations is like somebody's in the dark about it. You know, right. it doesn't. That part isn't great for a lot of people, and you know that that's a big moral dilemma. That you know, yeah. is another entire dis- discussion, entirely different
1: discussion. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad that you brought up the whole tribal situation because. You guys should go back and listen to episode thirty-one. A episode? What are you well, about? no, but episode thirty-one with Christopher Ryan, who wrote Sex at Dawn, he talks about monogamy and how it grew up alongside agriculture. And back in our hunter-gatherer days, oh, doesn't it it egla- yeah. well,
2: egalitarian no, yeah. society
1: we shared everything, including lovers? Exactly. And, you know, the village raised the child together. Yeah. So, so exactly. It, it was really interesting. Study. It wasn't of just monogamy. It was monogamy. never just monogamy.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's is not natural to us. Yeah.
1: And then Amy and I go further on to kind of discuss, you know, monogamy. Is it accessible? Is mm-hmm. it, and, and it's interesting discussion for me to have because I'm in a monogamous relationship. I've only ever been in monogamous relationships. I have no desire to have a polyamorous relationship, Um. Um, yet my parents were swingers, so right. I come from a background where, you know, there was shared open love and my parents are still together. And so – but, you know, cheating is obviously, like, a huge problem that is just – plagues people oh. constantly in jealousy and all I that kind of it, stuff.
2: I see it in so many places. Oh, it's such a so huge that's the thing. thing. It's like if, if people – you know, if people could be more honest with themselves and try to just try to create, just like Michael was actually saying in his thing, like, find find your community, find your people, right. find the lifestyles that work for you. It's not that easy for a lot of people. It's easy. Obviously, it's easier to just lie. Right. <laughs> it's easier to just, like, keep things the way they are, especially some people know that they would lose somebody if they wanted right. to be that person. And they're not yeah. willing to do that. So it's, like, it's it's kind of a dark Place to be you know yeah. like as much as we want to throw those people under the bus sometimes it be like you're a terrible person it's like well a lot of people aren't living their truths because of because of you know what we've been taught is okay and not okay correct you know whereas like if yeah if we could all just be honest about who we are and like all be accepting and like loving and open you mm-hmm. know then like more of us could yeah, be yeah exactly because I want to be, I feel be like that pegged or be that like have multiple partners, you know,
1: I feel like at this point, we, we might want to consider recognizing the fact that we're never going to fix cheating and that that's never going to go away. So maybe we need to consider that the way that we view relationships and the construct of monogamy is perhaps somewhat flawed and that right, there's other is. alternatives. And again, and this it doesn't is, have
2: to be just like. Uh, polyamorous right. swingers or like it could just be back in that gray area. Like, right. we, you know, like everybody like, gets could to decide like, what
1: their own relationship Exactly. Is.
2: Like it could be like, I'm mostly monogamous, but like there's this one butts thing that like, I like that, you know, he doesn't like to do to me and he's okay with me going to so-and-so to do it or, right. or whatever, you know, it could be like the littlest thing. Yeah like a little butt thing or it could be like, you know, I, you don't like cuddling cause you're weird about cuddling and like this person likes to cuddle with me and like I'm gonna know, go to fi- cuddle fing- finger paint my boobs and you're not into that. So I'm going to go do that with that person. Whatever it is, you yeah. know, like something weird, but like if we all were just a little bit more open, like
1: it's it. Well, yeah. Again, it was an interesting discussion for me to have because again, I'm in a monogamous relationship. I don't plan on changing it. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend doesn't want to change it. So you know, coming from somebody who is monogamous and who is, you know, kind of built their relationship around that. It was an interesting idea for me to ponder. So that's where I'm at. You're just
2: pondering. I'm just pondering. She's just over there I'm pondering. still just pondering. <laughs> She's still. I'm just, just thinking. Pondering about buttholes and submission. There and-
1: was so much pondering to be had this month in Jeez. January. So many great interviews. There's a lot of stuff
2: going on in that blonde head of hers. See?
1: A lot. <laughs> Yet it's also strangely empty. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just a vast wasteland filled yeah. with, you know, <laughs> dust balls. What am I saying? Dust balls? What am I trying to say? Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. Mine, my brain is not doing much better. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Um great, great little recap I feel like we had here. We covered a lot of ground. Too
2: much. Yeah,
1: (laughs) too much. Um,
2: Holly and I really like to hear ourselves talk, so it's a problem.
1: Well, I mean, apparently other people like to hear us talk as well because there's a lot of people who are members of my Patreon.
2: One of them even asked for my, it was
1: my first autograph I ever gave. (gasps)
2: Oh! At the AVN Awards.
1: So, Eva and I have—I mentioned this earlier—have a Patreon exclusive podcast called "My LA Porn Life," and um it's only available to Patreon members. Five dollars. Five dollars a Cough month.
2: It up. Listen Dude, to you spend hilarious. way
1: more than that at Starbucks. We know that for a fact.
2: Pretend I'm a latte and buy
1: me. <laughs> Drink me.
2: Drink me frothy goodness. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you'd be like I'm not going to subscribe to that. <laughs> but
1: you guys who do subscribe to my show um or to my podcast or to wait, what is it called? Patreon. Those of you who do subscribe <laughs> Those of you who do subscribe to my Patreon, I just want to give you a quick shout out, say how much I appreciate you. You guys were helped fund this trip to Vegas that yeah. we just took because that was expensive. Yep. So if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have been able to get all the amazing content that I got. And um, more of you should jump on the bandwagon because I have a lot more plans for this show, but I can't do it without money because this world runs on capitalism. So that's true. There you go. All right. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will be back for another recap at the end of February where we will have all of the interviews from AVN to talk about. Sure. And there be some really cool ones.
2: So you're going to have to do it by yourself. You're
1: a stupid butthead.
2: Or maybe I can still do it before I leave. I
1: think that we can do it before you go. I think so. Because so. honestly, most of the episodes in February are literally from the AVN show. Okay, cool. So sick. All right, guys. And thank you. For thank you, Holly,
2: for allowing me to be on this podcast with you, <laughs> taking me out of my cage.
1: You're so welcome. That's okay. I'm going to put you right back in there Aww. where you belong. <laughs> I'm
2: just going to crawl over there right now. Okay. Uh, bye. Bye, guys.